The views expressed in this interview are those of the individuals and do not reflect the official policy or position of the U.S. government, the Department of Defense, the U.S. Navy, or the Naval Postgraduate School. The Trident Room has been brought to you by the Naval Postgraduate School Alumni Association and Foundation. For questions, comments, and suggestions, please email us at tridentroompodcasthost at nps.edu and find us online at nps.edu slash tridentroompodcast. Welcome to the Trident Room, brewer of stout conversation, unfiltered and on tap. In today's podcast, NPS student Mike Morris sits down and has a drink with recent NPS graduate Major John Kokomazi. Welcome to the Trident Room. On this episode, we have John Kokomazi, a recent graduate of the NPS National Security Affairs Department in the European curriculum. Is that right, John? That's right, Moth. Thanks. Pleasure to be here. Hey, yeah, sure. Oh, ooh, professional. What are you drinking there, John? We're going to... Uh, got a little Knob Creek old-fashioned style here. Yeah, that's what... Uh, oh, you get hear that. Yeah, you yeah. can hear that in the glasses, oh, yeah. too. I treat my guests right. That's, yeah. uh, that's one thing that I, I want to be sure of. Um, you know, the Trident Room, you know, uh, has been, a, has been a, a part of NPS uh, for the longest, uh, since 1953. And, um, you know, we, we, we go there on Thursdays and and crack open a beer or pull one, you know, get a draft in, the, in our mugs there. Do you have a mug? I do. Where, what number is your mug? I, I never actually put it into the uh, the bar there. Oh, yeah. my God. So, well, you just keep like keep it at home or something and yeah. bring it with you in your bag? Oh, no, I just – it's my collector's <laughs> item from, from the school here. Okay. When I go to the, the bar there, I just get a uh, regular glass. Oh, you just get oh, – Yeah. Ugh. That's – Lame, right? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, – Defeats kinda, the purpose. It's kind of sad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to tell anybody my mug number not yet because you know if, if this doesn't go well for me, it's going to end up broken on the floor sometime, yeah, right? That's for sure. <laughs> How often did you uh, come to the Trident Room? Uh, I think I've been there. I went there maybe uh, monthly. I would say. Okay, so, a couple so, times a quarter, basically. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and I would I would recommend uh, people to definitely. Um, take advantage of the socialization. Right now, I know it's still restricted. Uh, we can't just socialize and everyone go in the trident room. But it is closed right now. Right. I mean, I mean, by the time, I mean, when this episode airs, almost guaranteed it will still be closed. Right. But uh, the uh, it's a it's a bar. You know, it's classified as a bar yep. on base, so yep. it, it's held to that standard, which is you know much later phases. Yep. Um, but but what I would say is, I'd recommend people taking advantage of however much you are allowed to socialize in any venue that is allowed, take advantage. That That is, a, I'd say, a borderline regret of my time here is not taking advantage of the social interactions that uh, that were afforded to me. So too much of a too much of a nerd in my office i think you just like close that door and you're like i'm comfortable in the numbers man yeah. you know like i think i enjoyed i enjoyed working yeah. alone too much <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little bit too much because of course you know where, where you're going into it's going to take a little bit more of a uh you know partnership and consensus building maybe oh yeah and, know, and i think part of the future exactly and then it's one of the big aspects of the time at mps here is to meet people and interact and, and get outside of your service or your even country and learn from other people. I found you learn a lot in class about the material and from the professor, but in that room you learn the most from your peers, uh, especially um, I had the great fortune of being uh, in class with a lot of international students 
and there I learned a lot about what they're going through and what their lives and careers are like. So definitely valuable, valuable experience. Yeah. Where were you born? New York State. New York State, yeah. specifically. What part of New York State? Uh, Putnam County, north of Putnam, Westchester yeah. County. Yeah, so I don't have a New York City accent, <laughs> so no Long Island, but yeah. Are you sure? I mean, you tell me. <laughs> Did you grow up there, too? Uh, yeah, all uh, 17 years before going to college. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's something, you know, a good point to mention, I think. You know, full disclosures, you and I went to college together, right? We, we were... So you came right after high school as well? Are we the same age? I, I was born in 87. Yeah, 87 as okay, well. Yeah. I had to get signed off to go enter the Air Force Academy. Yeah, I had my, bir- I had my birthday during basic training. I don't yep. know when. Oh, you- happy birthday to, <laughs> to that. <laughs> it was like field training day where MREs, they let me keep my Skittles at oh, the good. MRE. Remember, that's they used good. to like take our candy, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. if we had it, yeah. Here, you can keep this like egg omelet, but, the, but everything else is <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Here's your special treat, the egg omelet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were actually roommates uh, for at least two quarters, I believe. Yeah, uh, yeah soft, sophomore year probably, right? Mm-hmm. Were we roommates ever after that? No, I went to the Naval Academy for an exchange, oh, oh. and then uh, you found a better better roommate after <laughs> I think so, Ben, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ben was a great roommate. We try to keep up sometimes on occasion. He'll be he'll, he'll, He's kind of shy to the world still, so he's been his personality. You know? <laughs> You're kind of shy, though, too. I'm, I was actually kind of surprised that you agreed to come on and be interviewed. Well, I mean, I want to help out, and uh, it's good to get out of my comfort zone every once in a while. So. Yeah. Well, and it's good to have a friend, I think, on the other side of the table while I'm, because I'm getting out of my comfort zone too. I like, who, like a month ago, would I have told you that I was going to sit down and interview people on a podcast? No way. No, no. I was, I was surprised. <laughs> I, I didn't know this podcast was uh, being formulated at all, but I think it's a great way to to make up for the fact that we can't actually get to the Trident Room right now. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good point. You know, we've been, uh, I think, missing out. And, you know, we can talk a little bit more about this, you know, in a bit. But we've really been missing out kind of on some of the on-campus experience here. Um, I want to say me especially because I'm just coming up on my, you know, second quarter, yeah. whereas you graduated in the spring, at the end of spring, right? No, at the end of winter yeah, quarter. Yeah, winter, technically. It was yeah, the end of March. Yeah, the end of winter quarter. Um, so your entire, you know, learning experience, if you will, was in residence, like properly on campus, if you will in the traditional sense. Correct, yeah, I, I had uh, one quarter so far just doing a uh, teacher's assistant uh, during during the online environment, yeah. uh, but I've never from a student perspective, so yeah. mad respect for you all that are, <laughs> that are getting through it, and, and I know you're all succeeding through it, but I, I could see that it's, it's not easy. But definitely not, not in my opinion anyways, it hasn't been. Um, so, but uh, you know, I'm, not, I'm, still, I'm still grateful for being here. Uh, it just hasn't been. It's been tough in a different way. It's going to be tough anyways, right? It's, oh, yeah. it's full-time, you know, postgraduate work, graduate yep. and postgraduate work. So it's going to be like there's a lot of – there's high expectations, and they leverage that on us, right? They, yeah, like, definitely. Yeah. And, uh, and, yeah, in the distance learning environment, it's just uh, obviously juggling everything that's going on at home. And, uh, you know, maybe it's hard to get us actually escape from uh, there's some distractions that are at home. So uh, growing up, what made you be attracted? What attracted you to military service? 
Uh, so for me, I was I was a nerd definitely in high school. Uh, I was more interested in the aeronautical engineering side of things. I liked planes. I liked the high tech stuff. Is that so, why you applied to the Air Force Academy? Yes, definitely. Um, I had a friend that was 100% Navy. Um, I let him go the, the Naval Academy route. I had other friends in my high school that went to West Point. I actually lived uh, only you know, inside an hour to uh, West Point, so I got to go there a few times for uh, winter track meets. Um, but yeah, it was Colorado and tech, the technology of the Air Force and aircraft that really inspired me to, to pursue the Air Force Academy. What about, uh, I mean, you mentioned Colorado. Had you like had you visited there in the past, like when you were looking at colleges or something? Is that? So I got picked up for the summer seminar program, okay. which is like an intro to cadet life back in the day. Um, I had already had previous interest in, in going that route, but uh, that really cemented the, the decision to go there. Right on. Is that, it, uh, so air, is that what your major was? What was your major? Oh, yeah, aeronautical engineering. Yeah. How did yeah. that go? Uh, it was it was tough. Um, it's one of the tougher programs in the country for that, isn't it? If is if it's not the top, I don't know what it was rated at the time. Yeah, so uh, it definitely was a a tracked focus in the engineering realm. Um, I would say that it uh, gave me some help during pilot training, but in the end, here I am uh, more on the political science side of things, and um, I definitely would say I have a breadth in, in the academic realm. Um, at, at this point, the aeronautical engineering degree was was great to do, but I do not have an interest in going back into that. It, it's very it was very challenging. It is me. kind of an interesting shift in your academic work because the NSA department is you know qualitative in 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 their approach, you know, whereas like OR or something is quantitative in their approach to research. Um, international relations has. You know, a quantitative realm inside of it, but in this program, the NSA department, it's on the kind of qualitative uh, realm. How do you, like was is it easy for you to like is a shift you know from from like math, science, engineering numbers into kind of this uh, into this other side of it? I would say no, it, it wasn't easy. I'm kind of comfortable operating in the numbers and the science. Um, I was. Basically, it took me four quarters to get through this program, and that, once I finished, that's when I knew, hey, I'm, I'm going to survive. It's it going to be okay. Upon graduation, I was like, I, I'm going to survive. So uh, it, it's been a great learning experience. And now, honestly, I do like the political science aspect, uh, the political science field. Um, I, I do enjoy having a breadth of experience. Uh, I had the more analytical side of things previously, and now this is going to be more practical, I think, in my future um, position. What made you, so uh, at the start, you know, after graduation, you went to undergrad pilot training, right? And mm -hmm. you started out in C-130s and then you spent, you've spent some time. How many years did you do in C-130s and then you switched over to remote piloted aircraft? I was in C-130s for three years. So it was uh, one tour in Little Rock and then uh, I jumped over to RPAs. Is that something you knew you were going to do? No, no, I, I did not know. Did I, you apply for it? I did. So uh -huh. uh, after a deployment to Afghanistan, I returned and we found out that our H model was going to be uh, deactivated. Mm -hmm. So everyone had to find basically new jobs. And um, I had some inner reflection going on and was curious about what I should do next that would be best for, uh, for myself and uh, my, my wife. Uh, she was in the Air Force at the time and we were geographically separated. Um, so balancing uh, the desire to be co-located as well as looking at a futuristic platform with, uh, again, technology and uh, a new community with great potential, 
I decided to jump over to, to MQ1s, the Predator, and then eventually the Reaper MQ9. Oh, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sorry. So I've, you know, I've, I've seen those operating in the desert a lot, you know, uh, with my time. We have, you know, some manned and remote piloted aircraft. Being sensitive that word for you in your community. <laughs> Being sensitive it, of your community, it. not saying unmanned. But, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I mean, I've seen those in action in, in the desert as well. And, you know, it's phenomenal. Uh, what they do for us, the, the the loiter times they have, some of those platforms and switching multiple crews. Like, was that is that like a strange experience that you you know you roll into the office in the morning, you grab a cup of coffee, and then you sit down and you you fly one of these things for you know ten hours, and then you what you like go home, you don't take it off, you don't land it. Like, what do you like? How's that? Oh yeah, it was it was totally different. Like, because uh, they have got ground crews, launch and recovery crews that actually launch the aircraft. They're downrange. Uh, in, in the uh, deployed location, and their primary job is to just launch and recover. And then mission crews are separated, uh, you know, usually in Vegas or uh, Is that New something Mexico. you would do too, though? Like, do you, like, if you, would you, like, deploy and do launch and recovery, or is that, like, totally a separate team that's in the field? Uh, like it, that? It, I, I did not deploy. Um, it changed. The way they did operations changed. And uh, Air Force Special Operations Command and uh, Air Combat Command kind of did things separately. But uh, the way Air Combat Command ACC uh, went was to have a single squadron that was deployed. They, they would deploy and they come back and they do training and then they deploy and come back. So they had that that continuity and proficiency in that launch and recovery phase. But for my squadron, our job was the, just the mission. So yeah, we would we would take off a plane one morning and then the next morning we'd come back to work and maybe land that same plane. It was it was bizarre. That is bizarre. Yeah. That's wild. And you can only log one sortie in that case. So I was like, well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I came to work twice. Yeah. That no, was just a running joke there. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I definitely um, took a lot of value out of the RPA experience. Uh, I'm still part of that community. Um, Air Force does the foreign area officers dual track. We'll probably get into uh, maybe some of the foreign area officers stuff oh, we later. Can go, we can go but, into it now if you want to. Yeah. So uh, I'm still still part of that community. I'm um, just kind of on loan to the foreign area officer track right now. And uh, after three years, I should be expecting to go back uh, into that community. So um, definitely uh, the time in my career where I learned the most and uh, had, the, had the best experience and uh, some of the best mentors um, in, in leadership in general and um, just growth, personal growth, I would say. Around the time that you switched over to uh, remote did, um, is that around when Maria, your wife, got out? Is it around the same time, like when you were going into that training platform? When did when did she uh, exit? Uh, she got out in 2017. So we were okay. living together for yeah. about two two and a half years before she got out. But yeah, it okay. was anticipating the next move. We were due to move again, and uh, being stationed together again was uh, highly unlikely. So. Oh, and that's when you went to. You were in Vegas, right? Yep. At Nellis. Yes. How was that a Creech? I was at Creech. She was at. Uh, Nellis. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we, we loved it. Um, we love to eat uh, different foods. They've got the uh, Strip there. They've got the Asian District, uh, all awesome restaurants, and just uh, a lot of shows. So we had we had fun. I've been, I've been looking into, like, all of the, like, lists of, like, great, great food and restaurant opportunities around here, and I'm just so sad that everything's, like, takeout and closed or, like, it's just outside yeah. of our four-county reach kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
lot of Michelin stars. Right? <laughs> yeah, there's so many stars out there, so many stars to consume. Breach for the stars. One day, one day. One day, yeah, one day. You know, it's just, um, <laughs> it's a dream. Put it on my dream board, put it on my vision board. Yes, right. make, it, make it happen. <laughs> That's right. What other experiences here at MPS did you have that contributed to your uh, the future as a FAO? Um, so I, I've had many, many excellent instructors. Uh, all, all my professors have been uh, outstanding. Um, I also had the opportunity to have a uh, German exchange officer, another outstanding professor, but he's actually in the German Air Force, uh, Colonel Hartman, and just shedding light on uh, NATO and U.S.-German relations. That was really beneficial. I had the opportunity to go to Germany for my immersion, work at the U.S. Embassy over there. So I saw it from that perspective, from a U.S. perspective, but then going through his class, uh, he provided the German perspective and just taught me a lot about civil and military relations, um, the transatlantic link, and where the U.S. and NATO can be heading. So that, that was uh, very helpful for my future. I had heard that Berlin was didn't have room for any FAO trainees or interns coming through. So interesting. Maybe it was just that John Kokomazi was already there. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Did you do any interesting research while you were here? You know, I was I was fortunate in that I had a number of classes where the professor allowed you to either do a final or pursue a research paper in a topic that you found uh, worthwhile uh, you know, upon their approval. Was that nice having a choice? Definitely, yes. Okay. Uh, there was a few classes where I just chose to do the final because uh, that, that class maybe didn't specifically pertain to my region or my country that I was thought I was going to at the time. But the classes where I where I knew I could kind of finagle a question that was related to the material, it was so beneficial. Okay. Yeah, I was able to research the Italian, all about the Italian economy in the uh, GPE class, global political economy class, um, in a basically European comparative politics class. I researched uh, Italian Italy's relations with its neighbors and a lot of the domestic pol uh, political situation going on there, especially with the Lega back in the day, and the uh, so like more like a uh, populist, alt-right type of uh, situation and how all that was evolving. And then more recently, once I found out I was going to Switzerland, in my comparative uh, border security class, I was able to work a uh, research paper and presentation in on the evolution of Switzerland and, and basically why Switzerland is not a part of the EU. What did you find? Why isn't it part of the EU? Well, a lot of the research points to the fact uh, their identity is uh, in conflict with uh, joining the EU. So uh, things like its uh, neutrality, uh, direct democracy, federal structure, and the uh, lack of willingness to, to join a structure where they might have to uh, give up perceived, like the perception that they have, might have to give up their own ability to direct their future. Uh, and it, the important thing is there that, that to realize there is that it's an, a really identity thing. Uh, a lot of the population is for joining the EU, but there's a disparity between urban and rural areas. And uh, there's there's also there's the different language areas: German, French, and Italian. And there's some disparities between those and how they feel about based the, on what, what language they speak, the region that they come from. Correct. Yes. Yep. So so there's a lot. Uh, they call it Sonderfall. It's the idea that Switzerland is its own kind of special case, exceptional case. So there's there's a definitely a narrative that in order to maintain that uh, case and that special case, they cannot join the EU. 
does that indicate to you that there's some kind of change in thinking based on the language? P potentially. Uh, I, I think it might transcend the language lines, and it, it might be more that urban-rural divide. What was what was the urban-rural split? Where I, I, I'm assuming here was the urban were the urban centers more in favor of the EU? Correct. Okay. Yes. In in general, now there's there's always you know caveats, but um, what what I found was a lot of the rural central cantons they call them. Um, we're, we're against changing the ways of, of the country. In this federal system, do these cantons have equal kind of influence or power um, separate from their like population amount? Yes, that's, that a, that's a very good question. So for joining the EU, it's a constitutional change, and that requires a double majority vote of both the populace and the cantons. So if there's 26 cantons, um, you know, to simplify, you need, you need, 14. You need 14 that yeah. are on board. Now, there's some half cantons, and they get they get half the votes, but in general, I see. you need the majority of the population and the cantons. Don't quote me on which state, but it's kind of like how now Nebraska, I think, is splitting up their electoral college votes, you know, based on percentage of population vote. It might not be Nebraska, but I think it is, um, versus, like, you know, the winner, winner take all. So there are some cantons that may split votes like that yes okay. yes definitely and, and these tend to be the more rural ones that uh, that, that are resisting the, the the change in the uh, joining the EU and this all came down well not all came down but a lot of this was influenced there was a, a vote to join the European economic area back in the 90s uh, the population votes it was um, about 51 percent to 49 percent that's close against and then the cantons Ooh, okay. it was they basically the cantons stopped the the pursuit of the European Economic Area, um, basically seven cantons, is, is what the, the people needed, the country needed in order to, to prevail. So huge disparity between the cantons. Uh, the people were basically 50-50. So it, it kind of points to certain areas that are resistance, resistant to the change. Uh, understanding this mindset and maybe having had the opportunity here to research uh, the country you're going to be working in, right after NPS has given you insight into uh, not only the Swiss government and its workings, but the population and how they feel. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like every, every, a lot of people in America know that not every American thinks the same way, but maybe from the outside, you'd see an American and, and think, he's an American, he has these tastes, he has this identity. But in, yeah, just like, just like we know, there's different regions. There's different uh, preferences in Switzerland. It's it's similar. There's depending on which region you're talking about, which uh, part of that region, if it's a city or a farm area, they might have different preferences. So you can't just go in assuming you know exactly what they're thinking. You have to think about where they're coming from, what they identify with. Well, let's not forget then that you had an opportunity here to be a full-time student to dig into this and do proper research. If you were still pulling 10 or whatever hour shifts doing remote pilot aircraft and you're like, hey, I've got an assignment to Switzerland, like you would just probably show up and be like, and try to get the lay of the land. But now you've like, how has that affected you, you think? Do you think, or are you the kind of person that you would have <laughs> you would you would have uh, been like no I'm gonna go study this. No, absolutely. I, there was no way I could have fit the amount of hours I spent researching my future assignment 
there's no way I could have fit that time into doing my, my operational assignment prior to this. Like I, I, yeah, I definitely valued and benefited from the time I spent here. Um, probably in ways I don't even realize right now. Uh, yeah, and, and then after graduating, having the opportunity to, to remain while I await PCS due to, due to COVID restrictions, I've still pursued more uh, research and trying to prepare myself for the future. And in that time, you've done some uh, teaching assistance, you said, and that's yep. been in the this uh, sort of, I don't want to call it hybrid, but it's, it's a distance learning environment uh, in a situation in which we did not foresee being in a distance learning environment. Yes. So NPS had to, you know, use all of their manpower and forces and, and brain trust available in order to create a learning environment for us to have classes full time at a distance. Yeah, and I was impressed with how quick the decisions were made in a good way. Um, I, in the past, I, I've seen delays and just kind of like, let's kick the ball down the road and we'll see what happens. But I was very impressed with how quickly we flexed to, hey, we're doing distance learning environment. Uh, that goes for the, the previous quarter as well as this current quarter. And I think that deciding that early uh, really made a lot of a lot of positive impact, and you always have you always reserve the option to to revert back if if you need to. But that that speed was I think critical in making everything work. Well, I think on the receiving end of these of decisions like that, it's a lot easier to accept too when it's decisive and quick and kind of quick in nature. I mean, clearly these were thought out, reasoned decisions, but they were made. And then there was follow through. Yes, yes, yeah. But by speed, I didn't mean like rash. But it was, it was. They were executed pretty, pretty quickly and uh, in a good way. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess that the point I'm making, you know, and talking about your time here at NPS is that at least me as a student, I feel like I've I've been taken care of in that sense. Is that like you said, the mission could have failed, right? The mission of NPS, if this wasn't talked about, if we let this situation creep up on us, but at the early in, uh, indications that there was going to be an issue where we may have to learn over Zoom or webcam or what have you, um, the decisions were made and processes put in place that would allow us to do that. But I guess my question for you is, as a TA in that environment, when we were having these webcam sessions, you were actually a TA in one of my courses. Mm -hmm. um, what differences, and I haven't experienced the on-campus life at NPS. My first quarter was, you know, the spring quarter uh, at distance. What differences did you see or perceive in what you experienced on campus in residence versus what we have uh, online? Yeah, I'd say one of the big differences is uh, some of the during the 10 minute break that that normally students get in between uh, the 50 minute blocks there's there's it's not just everyone goes take goes and takes a break and then that's it it's in a vacuum uh, when we were present uh, during that 10 minutes you know you'd, you'd uh, take your break but you'd chat with the guy and, and girl next to you you'd talk to the teacher you'd clarify things you would uh, vent about some frustrations from other classes uh, maybe you weren't sure about something and you get clarification uh, you kind of get a better understanding of what's going on around you. We talk about the sports game that was going on. So un unfortunately, in the distance learning environment, that that time is not the same. 
Now you can you can try to make up for that outside of class um, in, in during certain in, through certain venues, but that that was you were there. It was organic time spent with your fellow classmates that I think was really natural and strengthened your bonds uh, between fellow officers and, and classmates. Uh, yeah, I would I would agree with you that there are some uh, venues not and these venues in my opinion don't replace the experience, but I think can help supplement in a way. Now, I before NPS, I was on some immersion time and I was in a one-year program at the Defense Language Institute kind of, you know, next door across Monterey um, uh, where I was learning Russian. And some of my classmates had some immersion at the same time and we started NPS at the same time. So I had some people that I already knew and one of those classmates uh, created a Thursday evening recurring online Zoom session. So we, even though we were stuck at home, you know, each Thursday evening, we got on uh, online and we could see each other and we could, uh, you know, converse, we could pour a drink, you know, we could talk about life, we could talk about the week. And that's normally, frankly, what we would do in the Trident Room, I think, which is a great opportunity that, you know, I've got, I, I joke that I have a mug hanging up there, but I haven't been able to use it since, you know, like some sometime in 2019 past, which seems ages away. Um, I don't know about you, but I feel like uh, every every day that passes in shelter in place, it feels like months have have gone by. No, I agree. Life. life life is is different. Yeah. Yeah. How's that been? You know, I mean, you know, we know each other. You know that I'm single, living at home alone. How's that been? Uh, you know, but you've got wife and dogs, right? Have you have you found some solace in that at least? Uh, definitely. Yeah. The I, being able to take the dogs out and just uh, you know the unconditional love of, of the dogs <laughs> really helps. You still go oh oh, and you get to pet that dog and hold them in your lap and whatnot. Yep. Although one of your dogs seems like they're ready to tear somebody's face off sometimes, but I believe both of them are very cuddly and loving, right? Yes, yeah. yes. They're yeah. all bark, no bite. All bark, no bite. <laughs> that was the same for, for, for my doggy past, yeah. That was uh, all bark and loud, boisterous bark. And so, but I was like, but I got her. Like, she, she understood me and I understood <laughs> her, you know. Um, and, I, and I suppose, uh, do you, well, yeah, I mean, Maybe a rude personal question, but um, has there been any any additional stress uh, leveraged on you and Maria in that time? Um, you mean for being kind of in close proximity more yes. than normal? <laughs> uh, I was going to say surprisingly no, but <laughs> fortunately no. Uh, fortunately no. Yes, okay. yes. Uh, we've kind of set up a routine. She's, she's very interested and in, uh, she's doing a lot of art and uh, so painting, drawing, knitting. Uh, basically, while I do my research and I've been doing the TA uh, piece of my, my duties here, she's, she's been keeping herself occupied and she's, she's keeping active in that, in that fashion. And we used to go to the beach and we used to hang out with the dogs and we, still, we will still hang out with the dogs, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> That we can't go well, to the not beach. A, not a, yeah, yeah unfortunately, not, we can't go to the beach. Not unfortunately, you can't hang out with the <laughs> yes, dogs. Yes, thanks for clarifying. Yeah. Oh, uh, those, those darn dogs. <laughs> no, but uh, now now that uh, things are opening up, um, as a spouse, she has the opportunity to to go out if, if she so desires. So I think she's going to go out and start going out with some, some other spouses um, in, in a enclosed environment, in a safe environment. So that's not necessarily to escape my presence, but... Uh, 
she's had some friends that she hasn't been able to keep up with. But it's not so wrong to escape your presence either. Correct. No shame, no shame in that. Correct. I don't think that's ego breaking that some like we all need our personal space and time, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Sometimes there's too much personal space and time and it's like you know, you just you like uh, it, you have all the open space and freedom in the world, and you, you feel so close into a box. That's been my experience uh, so far, which has been you know rough. But I've had a lot of friends and family uh, to go back on, and there have been there were there were rougher times than not, and some of the some of the uh, restrictions that have been let up a little that we're still allowed to do. Like I had, I had you, 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 Maria, and I had decided that um, you know we could hang out together if the restrictions and policies would allow us to do so, and uh, we brought in a couple other single officers in on that, and uh, my program officer, who I hope to interview at a later time, if he would agree to one and schedule it with me, <clears throat> uh, would uh, would be. Um, you know, he, he, he linked me up with another uh, single officer or two in the area that we could at least be communicating with each other and keep tabs on each other and see how, you know, how one another were doing. Well, John, what made you interested in that foreign area officer track for the Air Force then? Yeah, so um, my, my first experience with international affairs and international officers, I'd say, was during uh, my pilot training. I went did the uh, Euronato Joint Jet Pilot Training. We had some international officers there, Italians, Germans, and uh, some, some Dutch officers, pilots there. And I was just very, very impressed with their ability to, to fly the jet, and English was their second language. Here I'm struggling to fly, and they're just, just killing it. Uh, and, and it's all in English, and it's a new environment, new country. So uh, I, was, I was like, I, I need to work with our peers and our allies. This is, this is amazing. Um, I didn't really expect to get the opportunity to do this um, with the path that, that I followed with C-130s and then RPAs after that. I did apply for an assignment to go to Italy to help train their RPA pilots. Um, the timing didn't work out, um, but my personnel manager told me that I could go and try to do foreign area officer uh, in, instead. And at the time, our manning in the RPA community was was not the greatest, so I didn't expect to be allowed to uh, go on and do a non-flying job at the time. Um, but he said, go forth and apply. And I did. Um, I had some experience with Italian uh, from high school, middle school. So I took the language tests, and I did pretty pretty decently on those. Uh, and I got picked up for the, for the program. Um, so and I got to do some time in uh, Europe for my immersion. And then here I am at MPS, uh, moving on to Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, that's a story in and of itself. That just comes down to, you know, the Defense Department and the Air Force Manning and and billeting and positions, right? I mean, oh, yeah. There's no, there's no funny or weird story about how you got moved to Switzerland. It's just that Italy, you know, vanished into the, you know, yep. into the into air. You know, it's just no, there's no mystery really there. It's just it was there. Now it's not. Oh yeah. You know, it's. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, that's a story in and of itself. That just comes down to, you know. The Defense Department and the Air Force Manning and and billeting and positions, right? I mean, oh, yeah. There's no there's no funny or weird story about how you got moved to Switzerland. It's just that Italy, you know, vanished into the, you know. Yep. But they were able to find you then a position similar to what you'd been training toward already in Switzerland, at least. Yes, correct. Yeah, the the billet in Italy um, disappeared. It, it uh, went away and it got moved to Switzerland. So now I'll be uh, I'm fortunate enough to have the opportunity to learn German. Um, after this, and then go over to to uh, Switzerland. 
uh, in 2021. Right on. What role has NPS played in this for you? NPS has uh, given me a great experience in gaining the perspective of the European theater, basically empathizing with our, our allies there and, and seeing it from their point of view. Uh, just the international relations, the comparative politics, a lot of the core courses here have helped me better understand uh, how our allies think and where, where they're coming from so I can help better build relationships with them. Uh, that's, that's one of the key aspects of my future position is, is to help keep these relationships and, and build them stronger so we can both share our, our interests and, and improve upon our relationships. Did you know when you applied for the program that NPS was going to be part of uh, the route? Uh, so for the Foreign Area Officer Program, yes. Um, at the time, and, and still it's the case right now, for the Air Force, NPS is the, is the standard uh, school for the Foreign Area Officer track. Uh, there was some talk about potentially if you're going to train your la in your language on the East Coast to maybe move that uh, degree to program to an school. East Coast school for logistics purposes, but uh, the way it still stands, as far as I understand, uh, every Air Force member that is going through um, direct development or deliberate development, excuse me, for foreign area officer comes to MPS. Did you find value still in that, in, in making the move out here? Oh, definitely. A absolutely. Um, while maybe logistically speaking, uh, it would have been easier on the family to just remain on the East Coast where I trained for language. Uh, I would have, I would have most likely have gone to a civilian school uh, without uh, an, the number of uh, military members in the joint international environment. So uh, one of the great aspects of MPS has been uh, to meet new people and to, to network, to, to understand where they're coming from. In your field as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yep. And even, you know, and from future what I just heard you say, I think, is you know from other partner nations and future partnerships that you might be developing. Definitely, is that um, you have an opportunity to network with some people here and build relationships um, with the type of people and other officers that you are going to work with in the future, right? Uh, yes, yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, uh, there was a, a Swiss Air Force officer that I was in a few classes with, and uh, we we hit it off great. And it's uh, I look forward to, to seeing him again and catching up when I'm out there in, in a year. I was going to say, that what, that's uh, quite coincidental, and um, uh, what's the word? I mean, we'll just, what's the word for it? I'm even trying to think, you know, not just coincidental, but... Um, Fate. Benefit, like beneficial kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but yeah, so how coincidental that you would have a, have a class with this uh, Swiss officer that you will now immediately get to see in the future, probably. Almost uh, definitely, because... Uh, Yes, the, he's part of the general staff over there, and um, they're, they're, the size of their military is commensurate with the size of their country, so I, I'm, I'm sure we'll run into each other again. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> kind of the whole point is that, um, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like this place is worth appreciating, NPS is an institution. And so, like, what I offer is genuine feeling, I, I feel like you have as well, right? I totally agree. Like, when I hear stories about how they were talking about defunding the place or uh, some rumors about... Okay, well, I haven't heard rumors like that, but I mean, yeah. you've been here longer than I have been. I've only been here online, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Webcam and I live here, but um, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy to me. Like, um, a lot of the feedback that I offered in the start uh, was that, you know, this, this place 
offers everything I would desire as a student going into this program. It's like it's an on-campus experience. We get to seminar and ex- like go go through this with other people. And there's this esprit de corps camaraderie that comes alongside of that. Oh yeah, right. and you're working with experts in their field with with actual like on the ground experience. No, but I think I think part of the the issues that you you and I are sitting here in this room and uh, you know uh, MPS has given us this uh, space to talk about and you know but. And yet, you and I have discussed that we don't feel beholden to the institution to talk about it in any sort of light whatsoever. And yet, I think we're both genuinely appreciative of the opportunity we've been given. You here the entire time on campus versus, like me, even the online quarter, as rough as it was, um, I, I was like, well, at least I'm here and the institution is paying attention to me as a student that is here and part of their program. I don't, I don't think... And maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think that I would have the same amount of attention being a purely distance learning student. And I guess that's a lesson for me here is that, you know, I think I'm going to have to call up and arrange an interview or something with a distance learning student to hear their experience and maybe multiple and figure out, you know, what's really the story there. Um, I don't, even though I'm online on Zoom, I feel like my experience would be different and maybe less if I were purely distance. If it's a virtual community versus a geographically separated community, and just you're here physically. I'm only geographically in separated in the sense that I have to stay at my house and right. you have to stay at yours, right. right? But you're still present in in the area. We are, and there's and a feeling of like connection and that, fo- that and a focus. It's a it's a there's a there's a. Um, communal focus there's a, you know and that's compounded right like you're focusing on this here at NPS I'm focusing this on this here at NPS but if we're all I mean let's be real like if you were if you were told hey you have to take these courses over the next you know four quarters this year um, or if you were ha- happened to have been a thesis student and it was even longer like a longer program right or you were here even longer than a year if you were told you had to do that from not here like you didn't get to move here you didn't like your old command would have its hooks in you right i would i would believe that <laughs> yeah I, I don't know how you'd be able to escape i i feel like that would be pretty much the way things would go yeah but yeah that's a great idea to to reach out to the distance the actual geographically geographically separated members and see are they being beholden to their previous command? Do they still have to do duties there? Or are they given complete and utter freedom to yeah. concentrate on their studies here? Yeah. That's a good question. You were, yeah, you were a, uh, uh, in, our, in the class that um, UTA'd that I was in this first quarter, I think we had a couple of uh, distance learning students, um, certificate students, who didn't get to move here because of uh, the coronavirus situation. Uh, and they just had to take the classes online from home, you know, from a totally different time zone. Yeah. <laughs> they had to wake up at 3 a.m. To, to, to get ready for school and be online. <laughs> like, what a world. <laughs> Couldn't have been easy. Checking in from Hawaii. Uh, I mean, distance-wise. Well, I mean, Hawaii's I mean, good. I mean, Hawaii's great, yeah, right? Yeah. No sarcasm meant there. <laughs> the time, time change. Whew. I was just mentioning time zones. You bring up the fact that these people are in Hawaii, and all of a sudden, all the sympathy disappears. It just <laughs> evaporates into thin air. Stop complaining. <laughs> You're in Hawaii, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> no, that, that's a good question. I mean, I feel like it was never spoken whether or not they had to check in with their other unit or not. It was just 
Yeah, and of course, and and of course, I want to hear it from them, right? And 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 NPS has distance learning programs as well. People that uh, take classes maybe one at a time over a number of quarters, um, and other and other programs they have. And of course, it's a difficult work-life balance. Um, How did you? how do you feel like you accomplished work-life balance here? Did you feel like that was pretty easy to come by in your experience at NPS? I mean, you had, uh, I guess, you have four classes a quarter, right? Yes. Was your experience. Yep. And I know that some people have different loads. Uh, but did you feel like that was a pretty decent uh, load, easy to manage? You're able to attend to both, you know, life and work? Oh, yeah. I, I was under the impression of the uh, play hard and work hard, but obviously work comes before play uh, but yeah definitely I'd have a weekly schedule um, usually weekends I would plan to do something fun uh, Maria definitely helped with with the fun parts uh, helping plan our activities and our out and backs and leave and, and all that um, I know that to be a fact because on the other end sometimes it was like what are we doing are we going to do something this way hey, ask Maria Maria's got something she'll let you know yes <laughs> she, she's the expert in that uh, yeah I, I feel like I had a pretty pretty decent work-life balance um, however, like I said earlier, I, I would have, if I could do it again, I would have gotten together more with, uh, with other people uh, and, new, and new people. Um, so whether you want to call that work or life, I think it maybe is a little bit of both, but maybe more just towards the life piece of it, I would have made more effort to, uh, to foster that type of growth. Well, you'd mentioned the Swiss officer, right, that you had some classes with? Yes. And that you're, I mean, presumably going to work with very soon in the yep. future, right? Yep. Assuming, you know, you get to PCS there anytime soon as yeah. the world starts to open back up or close back down or open back up or close back down. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, the uh, What other interesting folks, did you have any other good conversations here with people or... Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. The so international speaking, international-wise, yeah. So Demetrius was from Greece, and uh, we were very good friends. Um, we hung out uh, on multiple occasions, not necessarily the Trident Room, but but outside of, uh, of NPS. Um, and I worked, I got to work in class with a number of other international officers. Um, but but yes, these these are these are lifelong relationships uh, that, especially with Demetrius, that uh, that I fostered. So what's next for you? Well, um, basically going to be departing MPS mm-hmm. uh, in July, going to Washington, D.C. for some German language training over there, and then uh, attache school followed by that, right. and then on to Switzerland, assuming Schengen area is open. Right, yeah. <laughs> Cheers to you. Thank you. We'll finish up our old fashions, and uh, everybody out there, have a good day. Take care, all. Thanks for joining us in the Trident Room. This episode was recorded on June 29th. 2020. For more information about today's guests and topics, please visit the show notes. The Trident Room has been brought to you by the Naval Postgraduate School Alumni Association and Foundation. For questions, comments, and suggestions, please email us at tridentroompodcasthost at nps.edu and find us online at nps.edu backslash tridentroompodcast.edu.